Hello, this is Comeback, this is Connor, and this is episode 115. My guest today is Dennis Relaho Hauhel. Dennis is the founder of Psych Reg and is also the editor-in-chief of Psych Reg Journal of Psychology, PJP. Aside from PJP, he sits on the editorial boards of international peer-reviewed journals. He holds a master's degree in psychology from the University of Hertfordshire. His research interests encompass blog psychology, cyber psychology, and mental health. Dennis, welcome to come back. How are you? Hi, Connor. Thanks for having me here. And I'm excited to share to you about my work, um, how I got interested into psychology. Um, hopefully, a lot of your listeners um, would find it interesting. Absolutely. So with that, Dennis, do you mind telling me a bit about your background? Where are you initially from? Yeah, um, so you could probably tell from my accent and my name that um, I spent my childhood in the Philippines. Um, that's the reason for the Spanish sounding surname, because uh, just a bit of history, Philippines has been under Spanish um, colonization for about 350 years. So most Filipinos would have um, Spanish sounding surnames. So that's a bit of history. So um, I spent my um formative years in Islam in, in the Philippines. Uh, every time I share that, I don't want to kind of elicit um, any form of self-pity. Um, I, I always love to go back to how I spent my childhood because it kind of shaped the way I see the world. It kind of shaped how I approach most of the things that I do today. And that is with um, a spirit of gratitude and with a spirit of resilience. So. Um, I spent my childhood in a place where there was no electricity, there was no running water, and I did not even sleep on a bed until I was about 16. So it was a very deprived area. Uh, my life changed when I went to university and ultimately I got a job. So that, that kind of you know, um, formed the trajectory of my life. Um, then in 2013, I came here in the UK to pursue a master's degree. And then since then, I never left the UK. So that's my, um, the short version of my um, trajectory in life. Okay, I see. And then you went from the Philippines to, it was, was, was it straight from the Philippines to the UK? I know it wasn't straight from the Philippines to the UK. So um, basically, while I was still in the Philippines, I was doing a bit of travel blogging and teaching English in Southeast Asian countries. So um, we have actually have a shared experience because I understand you're based in Vietnam. I also spent about six six months in Vietnam. Awesome. Um, that was in 2012. Um, I taught English in Ho Chi Minh City and I also spent um, some time in Thailand and Singapore. And yeah, but after that, um, I went back to the Philippines and then I found a scholarship to do a master's degree in the UK. So that's how I ended up here. And then um, I met my then boyfriend who is now my husband. So I ended up staying here longer than I initially planned. Yeah, I see. And then how did you find the UK initially? I can imagine it's a huge shock from the Philippines, and I know it's a huge, um, it's a huge difference to from Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine. But probably one thing that you would um ha, you would have experienced in Vietnam is the the lovely traffic in Vietnam. Oh, it's it's not for the faint-hearted, <laughs> especially if you. Yeah, especially if it's your first time to cross the road with all those um mot motorbikes without, without uh, causing offense. Sometimes, um, I don't know if it has already changed a lot. I remember when I was in Vietnam, it's kind of like a child's play crossing the road in Vietnam, which is not really much different in the Philippines. But yeah, I, I think one of the difference between um, Southeast Asian countries and the UK is that obviously there's a lot more opportunities here. And um, the climate as well and the food, um, I would say it took me uh, probably about um, three months to get acclimatized to the climate. I, I was quite surprised with that. But with the food, I think it took me about a year to get used to um, the British food. Um, I was used to more um, spicy food, um, especially um, I, I spent my time in Philippines and Thailand. We love salt and spices. But other, other than those superficial things, um, I kind of, you know, imbibe um, the, the, the British way of, of life, which is, you know, diversity and, and, and tolerance and just, 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 just value for critical thinking. Um, that, that, that's what I've learned to, you know, appreciate living in this country for um, close to eight years now. Okay. And then... How come you decided to study psychology at university? What was it about psychology that appealed to you? Yeah, actually, much of my decision doesn't really pivot on planning. Um, it, well, when I, was, when I was an adolescent, I'm not really sure what I want to do when I go to university, um, let alone if I could even provide, um, if I, my family could even provide going to university. Um, but it was my secondary teacher who encouraged me to do psychology. Um, she said it's a very flexible course because um, even if you don't know what you would do later in life, because um, with a psychology degree, you could be in HR, you could be in you know, social care, or you could be in education. So she said that it's a very flexible field. So I, I thought of giving it a try and then eventually on my third year of uni, um, I realized that I actually love studying psychology. So since then, I've, uh, you know, from undergraduate or throughout my master's degree and now through my PhD, I've been um, studying psychology. But I have to say that um, not a lot of things, my, my previous job doesn't really involve psychology. For instance, my first job after university was working at the call center. So there's really no psychology on it. It was just taking calls. And... Uh, then later on, um, I work as an English teacher. So there's really no direct link between what I've studied uni and then what I'm doing. And then later on, um, I just focus on blogging. And again, there's no psychology in it. Um, but eventually, I, I love the, the, the process. I, I love the, the, the learning process that I've acquired from psychology because it gives you a holistic view of the world of human behavior, of how you interact. Um, although I would say there's really no direct application to what I'm doing right now. I suppose I have to be grateful that I did psychology because it equipped me with a more, shall we say, um, uh, it, it equipped me with a more 
um, science-based, empirical-based approach in how I look at things. Yeah, I see. And then let's, I suppose, let's go to it then. You founded PsychReg in 2014, is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So um, I launched PsychReg in 2014 while, while I was doing my MSc at Hertfordshire. Um, initially, it was just a personal project. I just want to kind of... Um, collate biographies. I, I, I know it sounds weird. I just really want to collate biographies of people who are interested in psychology and mental health. So it was just kind of like, like if you say like kind of like a Wikipedia, it's all just biography. So that's how Psychridge started. And then later on, I got feedback from people that they say Psychridge would also be useful if I allow people to send articles and if I also publish my own articles about psychology. So that's what I've done. And then in, in, in um, I can't remember now, I think it was 2017 or 2018, I was working at a PR agency in London. And then at that time, um, Psychreg was already giving me more income than my work at, at the PR agency. So that prompted me to just, you know, quit my work in London and just focus on my blog. Um, I, I was earning from ads. So in a nutshell, that's, that's the story of Psychreg. Uh, like what you've mentioned in the background, um, um, in the introduction rather, um, I also ran Psychreg Journal of Psychology. Um, yeah, so basically Psychreg is a platform, um, but it has many arms, you know, um, it has an academic scholarly journal, that's one arm, and I also organize events, and then I also do a bit of YouTube. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's what SiteGridge is. It, it, an, a short answer to your question is that it was just um, a personal project, but what I launched as a personal project, it became now a sort of a social enterprise. Mm. And what was the thinking behind you starting PsychReg as a personal project? How come you decided to go down that route? Uh, actually, I, I've always been a blogger, so I, I know I want to do something related to producing online content. Um, before I started PsychReg, I, I was a travel blogger. And then when I was doing my MSc, it kind of, you know, made the disconnect even more obvious. So I was thinking to myself, I was, I was running a travel blog and then I'm doing an MSc in psychology. There's really a disconnect. I, ha I have to do something more, you know, related to what I'm academically trained. So I decided to rebrand my travel blog into what is, what is now PsychReg. And then from, from there, it just keeps on evolving. I, I did not really have a concrete plan of what I wanted when I started Psychrush. All I know is that I'm, I'm passionate about creating online contents. I love, you know, I love designing website. I'm also quite obsessed with font. Um, so I, I, just, I just want to create online content. It's just so happened that I, I knew that it has to be something related to psychology and mental health because that's what my academic background is. Mm. And with that then, Dennis, if you don't mind, um, do you mind telling me about your own personal experiences with mental health and uh, if you've had any um, setbacks and how have you bounced back from them? Um, I, I would say I had some mental health 
issues when it when when I was younger. But I, I won't go into much um, detail about it. Um, but but um, in, in previous interviews and in some online articles, I've mentioned it. But um, I, I'd rather not not talk about it. But I think what I want people to realize is that it has not been an easy journey being an adolescent in in a deprived area. So that kind of in, impacted my mental health. And so I think that because I've benefited from, you know, the, the support from my parents, the support from my teachers, I, I also have a bit of a responsibility to, you know, kind of help the adolescents who've been experiencing the same thing that I've been experiencing in the past. Um, that's actually the reason why I decided to do a PhD, because um, my PhD explores the viability of, you know, a blood-based resilience intervention. And, and that's the kind of my, my takeaway message really of what I'm trying to do, that there are actually resources, there are interventions available which could help adolescents living in deprived um, communities and they could actually use this to, you know, just to improve their life and to achieve something. And um, my message is that, that, that we, we can design as, as resilience researchers, we can design an intervention which could be more custom tailored for a specific community. Okay, I see. And that's the um, call background thing covered. So when it comes to uh, the peer-reviewed journals and the journals of psychology that are in PsychReg. Uh, how does that all work uh, on a basic level, if I may ask you? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I'll give you a bit of a history about um, PsychReg Journal of, of Psychology. So I, I did not really plan to have an academic journal because at that time I only have a master's degree. And you, you might probably be aware that most people who actually submit on academic journals, they have really, at least they have a PhD. So I was like, who am I to, to launch an academic journal? But what happened is that SiteGredge publishes a blog and this blog is geared towards the, the intelligent um, public. They don't necessarily have a background in psychology or mental health. I mean, they don't have an academic qualification within these fields, but they just genuinely interested about this topic. But sometimes I would also receive submissions from academics. And you know, like when academics write, they, they really so engross with the topic that they use jargons and technical language. And so I thought like, is it, this is not really the kind of article that I would publish in Sacred blog. Instead of you know dismissing this submission because they they do have a value, um, I thought of launching another platform, and that's Sacred Journal of Psychology. Um, so it's targeting an academic community with the language that they're more comfortable with, the technical language, and you know filled with jargons and statistics. So that's how I, I launched um, Sacred Journal of Psychology. But I have to tell you that launching Cyprus Journal of Psychology was very challenging. And my, my main challenge was, you know, having editorial board members who can actually give me um, technical advice on, on how to run a journal, including peer review and, and the publication process and the copyright process and all, all those, um, you, you know, all those 
technical technical know-hows. Um, I have to grapple with that in the early um, stages of psychogenic psychology. But um, thankfully, um, because of my support and editorial board members, um, I was able to you know get some submissions. And I think one thing that alienates um, PJP from other journals is we don't charge any fees. So we all do this as a sort of initiative just to make science more accessible to the scientific community and of course to um, the public. Mm. And then the submissions that you will receive, will they largely be focused on mental health or well, with, will there be uh, a slightly more broad um, sense of science or psychology topics in there? Yes, absolutely. So it's it's gen, uh, general psychology. So it covers any topic within um, psychology. So you know, psychology is a very broad church. So it covers organizational psychology or general psychology, which like you've said, um, anything about mental health. Um, for instance, this coming December 2020, 2021, we have a special issue on mental health. And a lot of our articles would focus on stress and, of course, um, the um, mental toll of the COVID-19 pandemic. And last year, in December 2020, we published a special issue on male psychology. Um, but on the early um, years of psychreg, um, it's, it's just all encompassing topics about psychology. Um, so I, I invite you and your listeners to um, check out some of the articles that we publish in Psychreg, um, especially the upcoming issue, which is about um, stress and mental health relating to COVID-19. Um, even if you don't have an academic background, it would be good to see, it would be good to read an science back um, articles um, about mental health. Absolutely. And you do you also have a YouTube channel for Psychreg? Yes, um, I do have um, a YouTube channel. Um, it started with, um, I was just basically a bit of narcissism, I suppose. I was just uploading some um, interviews that I've given, especially like this one. If, if you would allow me, I would probably upload this on my YouTube channel. And then later on, yeah, thank you. And then later on, I was inspired by, you know, other people, why, why I don't do my own, YouTube channel, I, I would interview people like exactly what you're doing, Connor. Uh, so that's how it started. Um, and then I'm also doing um, some audio reads. So basically I ask people to read out some of the articles that they've written for Psychreg. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag what I upload on, on, on the YouTube channel, but I'm, I'm enjoying the process. And sometimes I also enjoy um, reading the comments. Um, some of the comments could be a bit less friendly, but I think it's part of the process. If you're um, a content creator, if you're putting yourself in the public, um, you, you would get some um, less friendly comments. Um, yeah, but uh, just like you, Connor, I also enjoy um, creating online content. Mm, absolutely. And what sort of people do you interview? Is it um, similar people who would be submitting their journals to you? Oh no, um, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a very mixed range of backgrounds um, what I interview. Um, for instance, I spoke 
I interviewed a guy, um, his name is Thomas Henley. Um, he, he has some um, autism. I interviewed him. It was very um, engaging discussion because um, it kind of, Th Thomas actually addressed my own stereotypes about autism. Um, I've also interviewed some academics, people who are lecturers and who've got their academic degrees. But I've also interviewed people who just um, launched some social enterprise, like what I'm doing. So it's all range of people um, that I interview. Um, yeah, so, some are students, um, some are just, you know, housewives who are passionate about mental health. Uh, so it's people of all range of backgrounds. Absolutely. And do you mind telling me, this question might be slightly tricky, but what are the main lessons that you have learned from the people that you have had on and interviewed? Yeah, that is quite tricky, Connor. Um, I suppose I would say that um, you can't really put mental health and psychology in a box. You know, that not because you're an academic, you can say that you are an expert when it comes to a particular field in psychology. Um, there's a lesson to be learned to when you speak to people who are actually have personal lived experience um, when it comes to mental health. For instance, I had an interview with Maxwell Gutman. He has a lived experience of psychosis and schizophrenia. Um, I invite your listeners to, to listen to my interview with um, Maxwell Gutman. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He, yeah, he didn't do a particular degree with you know um, um, psychosis or psychiatry, but when you listen to his interview, you can learn a lot from him because he, he shared to, to me how it is to hear voices. And I've actually interviewed two people who, who have lived experience of, of, of psychosis. Um, Max Gutman is, is one of them. Um, I, I think that's one of the overarching lessons that I've learned for about 100 or so interviews that I've done that you can't really say that, you know, schizophrenia is like this or, or mental health is like this, and this is the best intervention for, for mental health. You, you can all learn from, you know, from the people that you talk to. And, you, you know, just, just, like, just like talking to you, Connor, um, although you're just, you know, um, dishing me out some questions, I, I would also be able to learn from you how it is to live from in, in Vietnam. Um, although I spent a few times, uh, a, few, a few months in Vietnam, I, I would definitely learn from your experience. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's, I think that's my overarching message that we, we can learn from everyone. Of course. And uh, one thing, Dennis, as I was looking into PsychReg and your profile just before this interview, I noticed that you shared an article, I believe, where you talked about your failures as well as your successes. I was curious, how come you decided to do that? I found it admirable, by the way, and uh, congratulations you. for doing so. But what was the thought process behind sharing some of the failures that have come up in your career so far. Okay, um, thank you that you, you find that um, uh, admirable. Um, it's, it's not really an original idea. I've seen um, a few academics doing that. And I think it's, it's really important to make a failures visible, especially, you know, like when you're doing a PhD, um, people in the academia, it's, it's a very pressured environment. And by the way, I don't have any plans of being an academic or being a researcher. I, I have more personal motivation for doing a PhD. But one thing that I've noticed in academia is that it, it's very competitive and people only tend to highlight um, their, their successes. Um, we, we were told to create a university page and it's actually 
kind of you know your wall where you put your um, successes and accomplishments. Of course, um, it's 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 not bad to highlight what you've achieved because you put a lot of work and effort into it. But I think it's a bit of um, disingenuous. I think for for lack of better term, just to showcase your your successes without also showing your failures because that's part of the journey. I think when people Google you, they more interested with the journey because they could also learn from there. And, you, you know, like I, I tell people that, you know, I ended up doing a PhD, but there's actually hard work, just, just the application process alone. I've, I've been rejected with um, two other universities. And, you know, with, with launching Psychreg, with launching my YouTube, um, I, I mean, it's not, it's not really a big platform, but there's a lot of rejection. And I think my message is that, you know, we, we can all learn from our mistakes and, and it's part of, without sounding overly dramatic and cheesy, it's, it's all part of the process. And I, I don't think that there's really a shame in, you know, trying to make your failures, your, your human journey more visible. I see. And well, with that, Dennis, uh, this question again might be slightly broad, but the, the work you do with PsychReg, why do you believe that the work you do is important? I believe it's important on a personal level because I take pride on what I do and I really enjoy creating online contents. I'm ling lingering towards the, the, the creative side and that's how I best express myself. I'm creating you know, YouTube videos, designing a website. So on a personal level, that's why I would say it's important. Secondly, um, there's so many psychology websites now, and I think what makes us distinct is we're trying to offer something which is relevant and something that is backed by science. And also what makes us um, unique uh, with, with Psychology is that we, start, we try to stay away from politics um, because a lot of the things that you read now, especially within the field of social science, is very politicized, especially in Western countries, where at least in the UK, it's very politicized. And we try to stay away from that. We don't, you know, we don't force people to have a particular political viewpoint when they reach, read something about psychology. So I think the, the, it's, it's important to give people an alternative, and that's what we're doing. I see. And then Dennis, I suppose um, we've covered a lot and I believe we're coming to the end of the conversation. The question that I usually like to end with or certainly pose towards the end of the conversation is what is the mission for Psychredge moving forward? What would you like to achieve in the near future? Well, Connor, I've always been um, specific with my goals and I'm very... Um, metric obsessed. So to answer your question, um, there's a website called similarweb.com and that's where you can actually measure how much a particular website gets. And if you pop in PsychReg on SimilarWeb, you would see that we get about 300,000 visits in a month. And so um, probably in seven, 10 years time, I want that to be trebled. I'm, I'm quite ambitious with my goals. So I want to have 1 million 1 million um, visits in a month. Um, because when, when that happens, I think I was able to, you know, tap into the interests of people. Um, 
and the wider interest of people within psychology. And you know, when you you're able to reach that wide audience, you you feel kind of validated because um, it's not just like um, coincidence that people visit your website. Um, it's 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 a testament that people realize that the value of the work that you put into it. And secondly, I want to um, organize more events. Um, well, when I say more events, um, larger events. Uh, that's that's what I mean. Because um, I've I've been organizing mental health events, um, but it has been obviously put in limbo because of of the pandemic, because of the lockdown. Um, right now, I'm just you know, by do, doing online events. And that's not really the kind of event that I'm organizing. Um, I love to organize physical events. Um, about two years ago, I was in Malaysia. I collaborated with University Malaysia Sabah um, and there were about 250 participants. I, I love the joy of, you know, being able to interact with people on a, on a face-to-face basis and learn more about their research and the work that they do. So I, wa- I want to do more of that, hopefully, um, 2021 or 2022 even would be a more, shall we say, friendlier year in terms of organizing events. Absolutely. Dennis, where can we find out more about what you do online or on social media? Okay. So um, Connor and for for everyone who's listening to this um, podcast, um, you can go to psychrich.org. So that's P-S-Y-C-H-R-E-G.org, and that's the fruit of my labor. So um, it, it's actually not fair to say that's the fruit of my labor because there's actually five people who are helping me. Um, so I, I'll give a shout out to um, Rona, Dina, Graham, Sue, and Max, who are helping me with um, man- managing Psychreg. Um, so just go to the website and you will see that we have lots of online contents relating to psychology, mental health and wellness. And um, if you just type in Psychreg on YouTube, you would also see my interview. But if you're interested more to see more about my professional background, so just Google my name. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, um, but that's Dennis Reloho Howell on Google. And you will either end up on my personal website or my university page and you will see a bit more um, professional academic background. Absolutely great. Well, Dennis, thank you very much for coming on today and sharing this insight. And congratulations on the work and success you've had with PsychReg. Uh, I really admire and appreciate what you're doing and very best wishes for the future. I look forward to checking out more of PsychReg. Thank you, Connor. So it's a pleasure being here on your show and um, all the best to what you do. Thank you, Dennis. Take care.